Welcome back to the podcast. Once again, I started and didn't do things right at the beginning, so we're starting over. But at least this time, we didn't go through an entire episode without getting the audio from the other member of the party, which this time we actually have two members of the party besides me. We have me, the host, Haunt, and your co-host... It's Mochi. And today we also have a very special guest. He's a friend of mine online. His name is Casper. Hello, hello. So it's going to be pretty interesting today. It's going to be an interesting ride. Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, I listened to your uh, other episode, and I like the atmosphere you guys put out. Yeah, man, it was pretty fun, and I felt like we did pretty decent. So we're back again. So welcome Um, to Elevator Talk. The show where it only goes up from here. And today we're actually going to start off a little bit of routine maintenance, which we mentioned in the last podcast. I've got a few things I need to cover. Um, First of all, I would like to say that I recognize Mochi's mic sounds echoey. And honestly, I feel like that leans into the whole elevator theme of elevator talk. Kind of sounds like he's in an elevator talking to me. Uh, Eventually, I'll figure out a way to put a very slight echo on my mic so we match. Uh, Another thing I wanted to go over was pointing out that I was a complete dumbass for saying that we will not be putting the podcast on Spotify because it just so happens that the platform that I was planning on putting it on releases it on Spotify automatically. So the second it was published, it was on Spotify. And I feel very dumb because probably some of the first listeners listened to it on Spotify. (laughs) But we're also on a total of eight other platforms, including SoundCloud. Well, not including SoundCloud. Actually, so nine total. Plus, whenever Google decides to get their head out of their ass and approve it, it'll also be on Google Podcasts. Who do you distribute through? Uh... I'm using a platform called Anchor.fm, and it's, I believe it's from Spotify, actually, and I didn't know that at the time. (laughs) One more thing, actually, a couple more things. Uh, Haunt is not my legal name, if anybody sniffed that out, Uh, but I will be changing my name to that eventually. My legal name will be Haunt Gossamer at some point. So that's just what I go by now in preparation for when it is my legal name. Another thing I wanted to cover, I have already decided, and I think, I mean, I'm looking for some feedback on this. I feel like it might be kind of stupid, but I'm not sure. I've decided that we might want to call our listeners occupants, as in occupants of an elevator. I feel like that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Welcome, all you occupants, to today's podcast. That'd be pretty interesting. Awesome. And one last thing for our routine maintenance. I'm really going hard with the wrenches today. Casper has inclement weather on the horizon. So if he does happen to drop out of the pack podcast, it's probably because he got struck by lightning. Sorry. It is tornado season. Yes. All right. Well, I've never done an interview before. So, if this is awkward, it's because I've never done an interview before. <laughs> totally fine. But I'm very totally excited fine, because 
I have had a lot of questions for you since I met you, and I didn't want to ask them because I felt like it was kind of invasive. Like, I met you, and then we, like, talked about some regular stuff, and then all of a sudden, just a flood of questions came to me, like, what made you start producing music? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. Um, are you asking me now? Well, I was going to list them off, but then I figured I'd just stop and let you answer one at a time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, well, I've always been a musician. Started playing oh. bass when I was 15. So. Bass is the best instrument. Yeah. And I had joined a couple bands. Um, but at some point in 2015, I discovered uh, Witch House Music is for the people that don't know uh, dark electronic uh, overtly occult themed uh, yeah electronic music yeah I actually came across it around that year as well I've been listening to it for about that same amount of time that you've been nice exposed to it as well Um, yeah I I fell in love with it because of the dark theming because I've always been like into that kind of stuff. Like I like horror movies. I I sit there and laugh at horror movies because I think it's funny. Uh, I don't think it's funny that people are getting hurt. I just think it's funny how they portray things like that. And a lot of the times the effects are cheesy or just the the idea of what is going on is just so ridiculous that it makes me laugh. Yeah. And I'm also a bit of a sadist. Let's not get into that. (laughs) Considering your name, it's very fitting. (laughs) Right? So, uh, can you tell me a little bit about the first track you put out? Yeah, um, the first track I put out, um, it was, let's see if I can remember the title here. Uh, let me, I might have to look that up. Well, I put it out and the name escapes me, but, um... I made all the letters upside down. It's actually called In Hell They Lift Their Eyes. That's an awesome title. Um, yeah, and all the letters are upside down, and it's on YouTube like that. <laughs> that is so cool. That's one of the things that attracted me to the genre was how creative people got with naming their songs and like um, exploiting the way that YouTube's um, database stores characters. Right. Yeah, it's definitely uh, something that's been a thing since the beginning of Witch House. Um, when Witch House was created, it really wasn't supposed to be a serious genre at all. It was the term Witch House um, was kind of a joke uh, by another artist named Picture Plane, and it just stuck. Huh. I wonder. I wonder how that joke came to be. <laughs> I, he was doing an interview, actually. Oh, that's <laughs> that's awesome. Callback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always wondered, like, when people decide that they're gonna produce music, what makes them give it a shot? Um, like, what drives you to start making music? I know you said you were an artist, but electronic music is different than playing an instrument. There's like 
it's it's not the timing isn't natural you have to like click and drag and there's tempos that you have to keep up with and bpms and all all kinds of stuff right um well you can make it like playing an instrument um i have a midi controller so i you know play that when i need to um but to fine tune everything you're right it's a lot of clicking dragging um finding notes uh adding effects um the reason why i started doing it is because i heard a couple witch house tracks that came across youtube and i just instantly was like that's a sound that i've been looking for my whole life and uh i quit both my bands immediately and just started going at it whoa you you yeah. dropped everything just to produce that music? i dropped everything that's crazy yeah, my bandmates were not happy with me. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Quite frustrated. But um, I stuck with it, and now I feel like I'm halfway decent. Halfway decent? Dude, your stuff is awesome. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I've I listened to it, really. every track of yours that I could find on Untitled Burial. Nice, nice, yeah. Those guys are awesome. I've, I've known them for many years probably since i first started listening to witch house i talked to them and uh jared from nightmares in 808 i actually that's, hang out with them sometimes i was just gonna mention that's the channel that got me into witch house was nightmares in 808s i didn't find untitled yes. burial until um two months into listening to witch house that wasn't the first channel that I came across, but that was what really got right. me into listening to it more. I saw Nightmares in the 808s, and I was like, that's a really neat channel name. It was just like, it wasn't in my recommended, but it was in the related videos on a vi video that I'd watched. It was like Marilyn Manson or something. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was Born Villain, actually. The Born Villain album. And oh, nice. uh, the, the first channel that I saw was Nightmares in the 808s, and the first song, I think, was Faith by Churn, C-H-V-R-N. Mm, yes. That is one of the first tracks I heard, too. I was instantly hooked. I was like, oh my god, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Yes, me too, man. Shortly followed by Rotten Wolf, which some of, some of Rotten Wolf stuff is like really noisy. Like there's just a lot of different stuff going on. It's like it's almost too industrial for me. And I've always liked industrial music. I grew up on Nine Inch Nails. Oh yeah, yeah. Rotten Wolf. Um, he's an OG, definitely. He's got some of the most iconic um, old school witch house tracks. Um, but yeah, you're talking about faith. That faith track. The animation on that video was actually done by Jared. He did that himself. Somehow. From Nightmares Into Eights? Right, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, he's quite good at all that stuff. I've I've only been in the um I've only been in the untitled burial server. I don't think I've been in the Nightmares and 808 server on discord they so i've never gotten to meet about three months any of those guys each other so they've been around the same amount of time but for some reason 
nightmares and 808s just grew a lot faster. Yeah. I feel kind of silly, though, because originally when I was first listening to Witch House on Nightmares and 808s, I thought all of the songs on there were from the channel. Like, I thought there was just one guy running everything, making all that music, and that's why I was so amazed by it. And then I realized that it was yeah. kind of like a record label. Yeah, very not typical record label, but yes. Um, Nightmares in 808s, or Jared, he has a record label called Night Terrors. Oh. Um, he, he, I think there's only a couple of bands on it, and it's not very active right now, but that is the record label. That's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't know he had an actual label. Um Another thing I was wondering was what what equipment did you start off with? Like what kind of what kind of hell did you have to put yourself through to be able to produce when you first started producing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you, um, did you play so MIDI with I the actual first... keyboard? <laughs> I was yeah, I was using my regular keyboard. Yeah. Um, cuz you can use the a through L keys as a piano basically so that's what I was producing on um, I eventually sold a guitar got a keyboard so I could actually play parts and stuff um, nice but the first thing I had to do was figure out what DAW I wanted to use right so did I want to use FL Studio did I want to use Ableton Cubase I landed somehow on Ableton and that's where I am. I've heard a lot of good things about Ableton, mostly from uh, a different genre producer. Uh, his name is Ramzoid, also on YouTube. Uh, I heard about Ableton from okay. him a long time ago, and he was always saying high praise of it. And I just I didn't understand why he liked it so much because it looked so simple. Like there's no, oh, yeah. it doesn't look like there's a lot you can do with it. But then he just does everything with it and blows my mind. <laughs> It looks like Microsoft Excel to me. Yeah, there's like barely any buttons on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the cool thing about it is there's two views for that DAW. There's the timeline, which is the typical DAW view. And then there's a session view, which is where you can record individual tracks and then play them in a sequence or switch, switch around the sequence. It kind of helps with composing the song. Now, I don't use that. I've never used that. But uh, it is a thing. Um, So once you switch pages, you'll see more options that maybe you didn't see before. Oh. Well, I've never used it myself. I've just only watched him using it. And I guess he just always keeps the simple view. Uh, By the way, for any listeners who aren't, like, in the music space, a DAW is uh, the name for the program that you use to create the music. It stands for Digital Audio Workspace. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Just a a couple more questions, and then we'll... uh, I've noticed that Mochi isn't asking anything. I'm not the only interviewer here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... Personally, I think it's awesome to have someone else who's in the industry here. Uh, I'm just recently getting into making music myself. I started with working in Chrome Music Lab. Ah. Once I figured out how to rickroll everyone by just recomposing, never going to give you up in there. 
<laughs> and streaming it on Discord. I moved on to making my own loops and stuff, making my own tracks with loops outside of there. Nice. I don't what have kind a lot of, music of questions. Do you make? So, for me, it's hard for me to say because I've had people describe it as dark trap and dubstep. I called cool, it retro. Cool. The first, the first album that he dropped, I called it retro because yeah. it's got a lot of it's got a lot of chirps and beeps in it. Okay. Yeah. I the, recently the newest the most recent track I've made. I took a song from there, sampled it. I started the track off with a nuclear reactor powering on, uh, and then that immediately that... kicked into the beat of the song. Hey, wait! You own that. You own that song. I can actually just play it on the podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if sure, it's going to sound bad. I heard somebody somebody earlier was telling me that my audio sounded really bad because it sounded like a phone call and not like actual audio. So we'll give it a shot. If it sounds bad, just let me know, and I'll stop playing it. Okay. Will do. <laughs> but yeah, that track blew my mind. Like, he came so far so quickly. Wasn't it, like, two months nice. ago that you dropped the album? It was, like, November, October, November, yeah. So See, about that's five. Quick. That's real quick. I didn't put out my first track until a year after I started producing. Okay, let's see if this plays. It's not playing. Hmm. The first album, I kind of rushed through. I made five tracks in a single night. Oh, wow. After that, I really slowed it down for this one. I spent an entire night working on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worth it. Yeah, you find that as you learn more and more tricks. You know, it takes up more and more time to uh, master whatever it is you're doing. Um, yeah. I spoke with um, Sidewalks and Skeletons, and um, he told me his first two albums, no mixing, no mastering. He just put a maximizer on it, cranked it up, and that's how they are today. <laughs> what is a maximizer? It just maximizes the volume to get it loud, you know, for streaming services and such. Oh, okay. Let's see if this see if this plays. There we go. Can you hear it? Oh yeah. Is it good quality? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. He was telling me about it the other day, and and he was talking about how it conveys uh, a sense of what did you say, awakening or or achievement. It really does. And happiness. Yeah, it's got that hopeful feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Which compared to my last album, which was called Low Energy, 
this one samples that it's more upbeat it's more high energy so yeah definitely. i just had a crazy idea what if i take a clip of this and make it the like the in the what do you call it like the not the opening but like the the outro no like the song that plays before we start talking before we do the welcome to elevator talk the only show the the show where we only go up from here before all that there will be like a song that plays and then as it fades out we start talking like intermission i guess you would call it title sequence there we go okay yeah there we go yeah that'd work that'd That'd be be cool. cool It's chill, just like the podcast, and it's, it, you know, it's hopeful, upbeat, so it makes people, like, ready to listen, I feel like. I think that's actually a really yeah, good yeah. idea. That'll work. I'll do that when when we finish recording and actually put it in the next episode. Sounds good. The next episode being the episode a week from today, which this episode is dropping this sunday so um this episode is dropping on the 27th so the episode that the title sequence will occur is the april 3rd april 3rd okay actually nice we're gonna have to do it on the second because april 3rd i'm gonna be in new york because <laughs> oh, i have nice. a comedy show to go oh, to yeah that's right yeah randy feltface and a bunch of other people that i don't really know but comedian's a comedian <laughs> <laughs> very nice uh, i now, used to live in new york we're gonna we're gonna want to record on the 27th for the next one yeah so this one is dropping on the 27th, and then we're recording for the one after that on the 27th. So that's why we're recording yeah. today instead of this Sunday. That way, if we make any mistakes, we have time to like fix it before the next one goes live. We're getting ahead. I don't know so... if I said this last time. Huh? I don't know if I said this last time, but the 28th is my one-year anniversary. Right. Is that does that make it not possible to record on the twenty seventh? No, that's why I was saying we're going to need to do it on the twenty seventh. Oh, okay. Because on the twenty eighth, I'm got a whole day of stuff planned. Okay. So. So uh, let's see. You want to hop into our notes? I'm looking at them now. Uh, did you have any other questions for Casper? I don't really. I'm curious Probably, how many uh, other genres you've tried to produce in. Because you said something about wanting to maybe produce the music that we play in the background of the podcast, which I oh, yeah. greatly appreciate. And I will definitely be crediting you and spamming the hell out of any link you tell me to because you deserve all the recognition. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, Muzak. Yes, Muzak. <laughs> and yeah, I looked Muzak. into it uh, over the last hour and um, kind of got an idea of the chords they use and stuff like that. And 
I think I could definitely lay something out. And I think I mentioned to you the vaporwave yeah. angle as well. So if I could mix the two somehow, I think it'd be awesome. It sounds like the birth of yeah, a new genre, be- and I'm proud to be partly responsible for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it would fit with the color scheme really well. That yeah. purple to cyan fade. You know, I, I love that. Yep. By the way, the new art for the podcast was created by Mochi himself. Oh, really? Yeah. So the nice. with the, the purple and blue color shift, which I love those two colors. I love purple, blue, red, and black. But purple and blue looks best for, like, calmness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do a little bit of everything. Very cool. And the elevator's cute. <laughs> it's actually our group photo right now, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I put it on there as yeah, soon no. as he gave it to me. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I haven't talked to you in, like, three months, dude. What have you been up to, Casper? Um, Man, I've just been working a lot. Um, I am working at a data center now. and um, That sounds boring you know, and awesome uh, at the same time. well the job has changed over time since we've grown um we rent out game servers to people basically oh cool we have grown in size by a factor of 16 or something wow um so i I used to work from home mostly yeah and now i don't work from home at all i go in every day to a data center um but it's awesome i love my job um but it is exhausting um i am a single father to a a 12 year old little boy and you know balancing all that's kind of it can be hectic but my life is pretty good you know i i sleep take care of my son go to work and make music that's all i do you know hey man that's a that's a really big accomplishment not many people can say they have that kind of balance dude that's yeah that's really good i I am blessed definitely i personally don't even have half as much as that going on and i don't have that kind of balance (laughs) i mean i I don't have that kind of balance either and i started a podcast and just rebased a song for the first time today so i'm doing pretty good (laughs) i gotta go pick up a radiator for my car tomorrow with the car that needs the radiator (laughs) oh nice yeah Hopefully everything goes well. I'm sure it will. Yeah, Hot, do you still do um, the game streaming? No, I I actually deleted all that stuff. I deleted my Twitch and um, my YouTube channel because it got to a point where I like I like playing video games, but I like them a lot less than I used to. So it felt like more of a job. And it also felt like I wasn't getting as much out of it as I wanted. Cause like I'd have three viewers on one stream, no viewers on another. And then maybe one out of 10 streams, I'd have like seven viewers. And it just, every, every stream I was just looking at the view count, looking at the view count and not enjoying the game and also not being able to socialize with people like I wanted to because I'd only have like three viewers and they were always like lurking or busy and it just got to a point where I was like I can't do this anymore because the the cons outweigh the pros for me right yeah I can see that I used to be a big gamer and kind of got away from it myself I never tried to stream really 
um but just gaming in general i guess as i've gotten older i just uh, don't have time for it you know you kind of start to realize what a time waster it can be yeah i mean there's so yeah. much there's so much other stuff i could be doing rather than yelling at someone for trolling me on call of duty <laughs> putting linux yeah. on a chromebook starting a podcast making music or so making know- other people's music better just kidding just kidding that's not what rebasing is <laughs> <laughs> wink <laughs> no i took a i took a uh, i took a legendary remix from the one and only ewan carter and slowed it and rebased it and it came out pretty good yeah, for something that good. i did in like yeah. three hours with no experience so i think i'm gonna yeah, start doing that I, uh, I listened to it it was pretty good did you listen to the final draft i whatever it was you posted i i just posted an update at 519 Okay. Oh, no, wait, that's the first draft. Yeah, I... Nope, nope. I didn't post the new one yet because I was on slow mode. Let me post the new one now. I am definitely not going to play this on the stream because <laughs> I doubt anyone is listening to the podcast on something that has subwoofers that can reproduce between 28 and 58 hertz. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, here it is. Uh, For a second, I was about to lose my mind. I thought I lost the file. <laughs> let's see. You're something. That. Yep, let's post it now. Something that's been on my mind lately has been games that have a lot of hype behind them, but end up being a huge disappointment. Oh, you mean like Metroid Dread? Yes. Yeah, or uh, uh, No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky, yeah, that was that was funny, but they yeah. they ended up like uh, kind other of saving it. Like Cyberpunk, Security Breach, mm. stuff like that. I mean, from all the the YouTubers that I've seen playing Cyberpunk, it's a good game. It just had a lot of bugs on launch because it was a rush launch. A whole lot. Which is what was so disappointing about it. That's the same issue Security well, Breach has. You can walk into a load zone facing slightly, like a few pixels to the wrong angle, and it'll crash the whole game. You know the you reason for that, right? Zone, your PS5 is going down. You know the reason that happens, though, right? Hmm. It's it's partially because of the gamers themselves, um, and it's partially because of the companies that are publishing the games, um, making the pro- uh, not the producers, the uh, developers. Uh, work really hard to meet unrealistic dates that they set for release it's part of a conundrum called crunch culture and it's been infesting the gaming industry and the gaming development industry for many years and if you basically forces the devs to cut corners yeah and not only cut corners but overwork themselves they'll they'll literally stay like where they develop the game like in the in the in the um office or whatever overnights and just like not go home to their family not sleep um if you want to learn a little more about it uh this is to the viewers and to moji i'm sure casper's already seen the video that i'm gonna mention but there's a youtuber by the name of nakey jakey 
who made a video all about, um, actually, no, that is not the YouTuber, not Nikki Jakey, it's, uh, Uh, so at don't least remember as far as security um, breach goes, the game was de- the game was uh, delayed for a very long time, and I can understand the bugs and I for- can forgive them because this is Steel Wool Studios' first open world free roam game. Noodle. Everything else they've done has been a lot more simple to do, where you're standing in one spot, you don't have the choice to move. Right. In this, you're able to move around. It's their first first-person free roam game. They were trying to go all out with it, and they should have started a little smaller, in my opinion. But they did a good job. The game looks beautiful, so long as it's not crashing or a bug doesn't occur. Did you say it was right. a VR yeah. game? Did you say it was a VR game? No, it's free roam. Before this, they had made a state like. A, a VR game. It was FNAF Help Wanted. You stand in one spot. You don't really move in that game. You have the uh, option to move in a couple levels, but they're pretty well designed. There's no load zones in those levels. There's no load zones in any I've actually played level. that game. <laughs> I did too, except I played the worst version of it, in my opinion, on the Oculus Quest. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, that's what I played it on too. My son loves Five Nights at Freddy's. I've never played it. I've only seen. I really enjoy playing Security Breach. But I hit a point in the game on my first playthrough where I couldn't progress because I had done a specific task out of order. So it completely messed up the flow of events. So I had to restart. Upon restarting and starting from the beginning, I reached the end of the game. And I chose to stay and play for longer because there's. It's one ending out of multiple. And I cannot progress because every time I get to a certain point, it crashes and you're not allowed to save after the first optional ending. Oh, wow. That's that's got to be so super I, frustrating. I found is, that YouTuber, by the way. You get sent uh, back, you lose all your progress. Yeah. The, the YouTuber's name is... fix some things. The YouTuber's name is Noodle, and the video is called The Crunch Culture Conundrum. Funnily enough, that's the Is it word that, that I used to describe there? it. Yeah. Okay. The bottom one looks almost identical just with the face swap. I think it's somebody using Oh no, it's someone reviewing the video. Mm. But yeah. So yeah, uh, now they did fix a lot of bugs in their patch, but there's still a lot of bugs to the point where now my PS5 itself will crash. Jeez. They did remove a few speedrunning tactics though, which is frustrating. But when a game is delayed for a long time and it comes out buggy, it can be very frustrating. Definitely, definitely. I remember when uh, Half-Life 2 was delayed by like a year because hackers broke in and stole the code. <laughs> Someone stole like the, the source code for Half-Life 2? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
They sure did. What did they and do they with it? And they started releasing it, pirated, oh. uh, where you could pirate it, and people played it early and all sorts of stuff. But I couldn't get my legit copy for a year <laughs> after I should have. Another thing that has been bugging me, uh, Disney lo- no longer has respect for Pixar. What do you mean by that? If Pixar is not creating a sequel of a well-established series in their, you know, properties, it gets thrown on Disney Plus instead of sent to theaters. Well, that's it's just Disney u- every utilizing their Pixar. platform. Disney had the agreement to release the new movie Turning Red in theaters before they put it on Disney Plus. Never you, saw the light of theaters. You realize that yeah. releasing movies in theaters costs money for Disney. They have yes, to pay for advertisement. Yes. Yeah, so if Disney day, has thing, you know? If Disney has the opportunity to not release put- a movie in theaters, they're going to do that because it's going to save them so, money and they're still going to make money off of Disney Plus. I don't think it's yes, a matter I of respect. That, I think it shows a lack of respect for Pixar because they will still release their own movies in theaters, but they won't release Pixar's movies in theaters. I don't think it's a matter of respect, though. I think it's just business at that point. Business and respect have a lot to do with each other. If you respect a part of your company, you're going to treat it the same as the rest, not as an outlier where you can use it for a quick cash. (laughs) You know? Disney is made up of predominantly outliers used for quick cash. Be honest. It is. And that's... Disney doesn't have a lot of respect, though. That's the thing. Yeah. It's not just Pixar in particular. It's all parts it just, of Disney in general. It frustrates me to see that Pixar is getting less respect now because it used to get a lot of respect. Even when Disney Plus first came out, they would still release Pixar's movies in theaters before they would put them on there. I don't know. I feel like it's a it's a push and pull because, like, yes, they're not releasing full-length Pixar movies in theaters, but they are releasing a bunch of extra Pixar shorts that weren't available except on like YouTube maybe but they're also putting them on YouTube on Disney Plus like there's probably hundreds of shorts on Disney Plus now because of Disney right but when you tell a company that you're going to put or when you tell a division of your company that you're going to put their movie on the big screen they're going to make different choices they're going to make choices to make details that would be best viewed on a larger screen, which won't be able to be easily seen on the screen of a phone or a laptop because it's shrunk down so much. That was a big problem in both Encanto and in Turning Red. I don't know what either of those are, I'm going to be honest. They're two of the new uh, Disney Pixar movies. What but are they But then they're about? coming out with another movie from the Toy Story line. It's Lightyear, about Buzz Lightyear. I thought Toy and Story was over. that's going to theaters. Didn't Toy because Story end with... that will make them money. Didn't Toy Story end with Toy Story 4? It did, kind of, but Lightyear... 
is the story of the original Buzz Lightyear, the real one that the toys and show in the series are based off of. So it's a prequel. Basically, yes. Another thing that Disney is known and for. It's, <laughs> yes, and Lion it's based King, on Toy half. Story, and it's going to theaters. Toy Story is an established IP, and it's going to theaters. But their new movies, their new IPs, get thrown onto Disney Plus because they don't want to take the risk. It shows a lack of respect and a lack of faith in the company, who has proven themselves time and time again with amazing movies with good messages. You get what I'm saying now? Yeah. So, uh... You were mentioning something about YouTube spam, and we'll get to that, but... it. J I was gonna move on to that, but, uh... I just... I wanted to cover some other spam that I came across. Um, sometimes I look in my YouTube channel, or not my YouTube, my, <laughs> sometimes I look in my spam folder in my email just to see what's going on. Cause I saw some dude on, um, on YouTube, he was like a comedian and he actually like had conversations with his spammers and like trolled the spammers and it was hilarious. And I've done that a couple times too, but I haven't gotten an opportunity to do that again. But now I'm noticing that there are spam messages that for some reason, you know, this, besides the obvious sexual imagery and whatnot, every single one has some, uh, like, vestige of text from a Harry Potter book. Really? Yeah. That? It's, I'll, it's very strange. I mean, you can see my screen, so I'll show you. Uh, okay. Here we go. So, don't you dare insult my mother. And if you look at this PDF that's attached, which I know everybody tells you not to do that, this is literally from Harry Potter. Dudley squeaked and <laughs> ran to hide behind his mother. It's just at the bottom of the document. Like, why? And every single what? one that has a PDF is like that. Every wow. one. And they're all like in different doing? fonts and different colors, and I just don't <laughs> understand why this is happening. Huh. That is the strangest thing. There's an increasing number of those spam bots who instead of sending emails, they will share an invite link to a Google Docs file. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I I completely disabled all notifications for um, Google Drive and whatnot and uninstalled Google Drive from my phone so that I couldn't get those notifications anymore because I was getting like seven a day and it was driving me insane. Such and such has shared whatever with you and then you open it and it's just one of those like PDFs that I just showed you but it's a Google Doc instead and it's directly linked to your account now because you opened it. It's, You're now yeah, associated with it. It's funny you guys brought that up because just today, out of nowhere, I, I've i gotten like four. Google Drive notifications? Yes. That someone shared a document with you? Yeah. If you just make yeah. your account private, they can't do that anymore. Um, Actually, I might be able to show you how. And for anyone following along, <laughs> this might be useful information. So we go to drive.google.com and then we go to settings and then um, 
notifications. You can turn off the email notifications. And you can disconnect apps that are connected. Which, wait, maybe one of these is where the Google Collaborator... No, that's from when I was coding still. No, I don't see anything that would cause that. There's another... Here we go. Shared with me. I think there's settings here. They're all gone, interestingly enough. Excuse me. Interesting. I can't find the... can't find the setting. Manage your Google account. Manage your data and privacy. Ah, here we go. Nope. Data and it. privacy. People and sharing. Here we go. So if you go to... Um, Google Drive, click on your profile image, click manage your Google account, and then on the left there will be a bar. Click people and sharing, and there should be a place where you can choose if anyone can see your name or email. And I think I have my email set to... Oh, come on. Don't make me enter my password right now. Anyone can see this info when they communicate with you or view content you create in Google services. So if you make it so that they can't see any, um, anything in your Google, if none of your Google Docs are public, you shouldn't get those notifications anymore. Okay. Nice. But there was a thing, there was a setting somewhere that said don't allow people to share things with me, but I don't remember where it is. I think that's how I got mine to stop, by turning that Manage off. Manage shared endorsements, I think. So you click that, and then based upon my activity, Google may show my profile name, profile photo, activity, and shared endorsement ads. So you can unclick that. Where, where the box says share recommended uh, recommendations and ads, there's a little text on the very bottom of that that says manage shared endorsements. Ad settings? No, it's under people and sharing. People and sharing. Yep. And scroll down a little bit. Right there. Oh, here it, it is. Says, yeah, I have that off. Shared, shared endorsements Google. in ads. Manage shared endorsements. Shared endorsements. Well, that's like um, actual Google ads. Mm, Google may show okay. my profile name, profile photo, and activity in shared endorsements in ads. So if you review something. If you have a, if you've reviewed something on Google, it will actually show your review under a link for the thing that you reviewed. If you turn that off, it won't do that. And then I guess that's the only other place that they could be finding your um, information. Anyway, we've been on this for way too long. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought I just thought that was interesting. Like seventy-five percent of the hundred spam emails in my email are just PDFs with sexual imagery followed by text from Harry Potter in different colors, fonts, and with weird yeah. encryption or glitches. Well, email is 
one of the only things left that is not centralized, and it's essentially become a graveyard of its former self because of yeah. that. I barely use my email. I only use my email to like confirm accounts. Like I had to confirm every platform that I tried to publish this on. I had to confirm that I owned the podcast by clicking a link that they sent to my email. Yeah. Which is That's gotta be one of the most insecure ways to do this stuff. Because anybody can say, oh, that's my podcast. Here, send a link to my email. Yeah. And if they do it before yeah. you do, they own the podcast now. That right. is true. So if somebody was just constantly scraping newly appeared RSS feeds, they could publish your brand new freshly published RSS feed, RSS feed on a platform and own your shit on that platform and there's nothing you can do about it yeah that's a little outrageous yeah oh one thing I really wanted to talk about on the podcast this episode you occupants are in for a wild ride right now. I was watching this show called You're the Worst. And in the show, there was a point where the main character was talking to someone. Um, uh, nope, actually, wrong show. It was Shameless. It was Shameless. Uh, one of the main characters was talking to someone um, who was in college. And they were talking about their dissertation. And it was on something 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 symbolic interaction and it sounded like just a bunch of a bunch of bullshit words that meant nothing so i looked it up i actually went on google and i typed in symbolic interaction and it brought me to a sorry interactionism i spelled it wrong symbolic interactionism and it brought me to a wikipedia and this is going to be one of the stupidest sentences you've ever heard. But it has a bunch of $5 words. So, you ready okay. for this? Yes. Symbolic interactionism is a sociological theory that develops from practical considerations and alludes to particular effects of communication and interaction in people to make images and normal implications for deduction and correspondence with others. What? So, you just used... You just used... 700 syllables to tell me that everybody talks to everybody using relationary language. Oh my god. And you wrote your dissertation on this? <laughs> that right there Sounded convinced like me character. that college is bullshit. <laughs> it's a formality. Somebody it went to like school so for eight years to write an essay about how people talk to each other. Yeah, they probably and got here, a prize for it too. Here's the here's the kicker. This this guy that came up with it. Symbolic interaction was conceived by George Herbert Mead. This dude um talked about this. Huh? He just defined communication. 
yeah, and exactly. like a bunch of words. This dude <laughs> taught people about this. Here we go. Although Mead taught in a philosophy department, he is best known by sociologists as the teacher who trained a generation of the best minds in their field. Strangely, he never set forth his wide-ranging ideas in a book or systematic treatise. But, here's the but. After his death in 1931, his students pulled together class notes and conversations with their mentor and published Mind, Self, and Society in his name. Wow. He didn't write a book, so they did. Can you do that? Yeah. (laughs) Can you go to college and under the tutelage of a professor and then when he dies write a book about his classes in his name i don't know that's strange it is a common misconception that john dewey was the leader of this sociological theory according to the handbook of symbolic interactionism mead was undoubtedly the individual who transformed the inner structure of the theory moving it to a higher level of theoretical complexity again I'm sorry, but what is so complex about this quote-unquote theory? Which, by the way, this isn't a theory. Because a theory is something that you can use to make predictions. Accurate predictions. Repeatable predictions. What prediction can you make from people talk using comparisons? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm yeah, sure it's just overcomplicated if, a concept. If we do have listeners who went to college about this particular subject and took the classes and wrote their dissertation on this, and they want to argue with me in the comments or something, or they want to tell me that I'm just a dumbass and I don't know what I'm talking about, I know what every single one of those words mean. And in the context that they're being used, they don't mean anything except what I just yeah. said. Conversation consists of comparing things to other things, using something to represent something else. That's what it means. That's what this quote-unquote theory is. No shit. That's how language works. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There was another part. There was another part in this article that said something about how, uh, something about what makes a theory. I'm trying to find it. It said something about the true test of a theory. Hang on. Maybe I can just use find. True test. Here it is. Symbolic interaction was conceived by George Herbert Mead. Yeah, yeah, blah. Mead argued that people's selves are social products, but that these selves are also purposive and creative, and believed that the true test of any theory was that it was useful in solving complex social problems. So, uh, explain to me what problem, what social complex problem the theory of gravity solves? Aside from, uh, if a country is pissing you off, and you drop a nuclear bomb from the sky, it will fill, fall on them. Although that's not really solving the problem, that's just eradicating it entirely. <laughs> so like, I just, I don't, I don't get how these people who are supposed to be so fucking smart 
can be talking about something so dumb with such big words. A lot of this stuff is is wrapped in bureaucracy, you know. These people knew certain people and they got the hookup, you know, to speak at a school or write a paper. Uh, I don't know, man, rich people and and people with power, they make each other famous by doing shit like this. I just want to read these three premises of the of the quote-unquote theory. Humans act toward things on the basis of the meanings they ascribe to those things. Man. Uh, duh. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, who would have thunk? It's almost like the, the brain reacts to outside influences based on its yeah. interpreted interpretation of said influences. Wait a minute. I'm just repeating what he said, but logically, rather than using $5 words that don't make it any more easy to understand. Making something complex doesn't make it more intellectual. No. It just makes you a not. dickhead. <laughs> the meaning of such things is derived from or arises out of the social interaction that one has with others and the society. So I, I guess societies are individual now rather than society as a whole. They're individual societies, a society in which social interaction takes place. Well, I guess the meme is we live in a society. So, all right. Yeah. That checks out. The meanings are handled in out. and modified. The meanings are handled in and modified through an interpretive process used by the person in dealing with the things he or she sick. What? What the Can hell does this mean? you imagine if you walked around talking like that all the time about everything? Sick? <laughs> what is sick? Sick encounters? What? Used in brackets after a copied or quoted word that appears odd or erroneous to show that that word is quoted exactly as it stands in the original. Oh, so even they were calling out as bullshit. <laughs> well, this word didn't make sense, so we didn't quote it. There are so many books here. Right um, we are at exactly an hour, but we did not start until like five minutes in because I kept having problems. Okay. So we're probably about ready to wrap it up. I have yeah. one more thing. Okay. Um, I think I told you about this mouse a while back, but I bought a Bluetooth mouse on Amazon. Um, it's called Infic, I-N-P-H-I-C. And it's a wireless mouse that has a switch on it that it's like a button. And you can choose between 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi um, connection. It's like, you know, just the dongle. Um, Bluetooth 5.0 and Bluetooth 4.0, which means you can have two different Bluetooth devices connected to this thing and just press a button to switch between the two. That's pretty badass. It's wireless. It has the longest lasting battery out of any mouse I've ever had 
Um, and I've bought one before. Last time I bought it, it showed up. It showed up in a day. This time I bought it, and it showed up in a day. Last time I was in Florida. This time I'm in Connecticut, and it showed up in a day. Still, like that's crazy to me. I didn't pay any extra for shipping. I need to step out for a second. I'll be right back. Okay. Infic. I N P H I C. It's on Amazon. Infic. Yep, I see it. It's actually really comfortable too. It's great for people with big hands. Okay, I am back. Welcome back. Wow, that looks awesome. Yeah, it's it's an awesome mouse. That's pretty good price too. Yeah, yeah. I I did not expect to pay that low of a price for such a high quality product. It's very light, but the size of it makes up for it. Like. It feels good to have a mouse that light when it's that big. It doesn't feel cheap. Right. On the topic of computer accessories, I got a new keyboard because the connectors in my old one were corroded from sitting in storage for six months. So it wouldn't, not everything would work. Hmm. I went to Walmart. And I got a Razer Black Widow with Chroma. That's a good Now, when I was about to check out, it said it was $99. But I knew on the website it said it was $69. So I brought it up and I showed them and they changed the price for me. You dodged a bullet because you didn't get the cheaper one. The cheaper one is called Razer Black Widow X. Chroma X, actually. And it is cheaper because... It is exactly like the last keyboard you had. It is a membrane keyboard. But they never actually yeah. tell you that. So you could be hmm. roped into buying this keyboard for 50 bucks when it's a membrane keyboard versus the not mechanical even, one that you got. Not even gaming. Right. I've got... The way I've got this set up, it's all green except for the arrows and WASD, which are blue. When mm-hmm. I push a button... It's got a cyan and purple pulse that goes away from the button I pushed. That's yeah, the right ripple effect. I have the, I have the Corsair, I think it's Corsair K70, and you can do all that customization too. It's pretty awesome. I think the K's My are membrane though. Was... What was that? I said I think the K, the Corsair K keyboards are membrane. Ah. So my old keyboard was Mecha Membrane. It's meant to emulate the feeling of a mechanical keyboard. Mine has switches on Oh, it does? Yeah, it has uh, red switches. Oh, cool. Yeah, you can, can I just take all the keys off of it and clean it. Yeah. This is I so like... nice to push. I like Cherry MX Brown because I like the option to feel the click but not hear it in instances where I need to be quiet. Yeah, one gripe I have about the K70 is it's way too simple. Like, I do so many typos because of this keyboard. It's insane. You can't change the sensor uh, uh, sensitivity? I don't know. I don't know. 
does your keyboard have an app associated with it? Like, do yes, you have a has, Chrome uh, uh, IQ? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so you should be able to like toggle the uh, the polling rate and the sensitivity of the keys, hopefully. Oh, I'll have to look at that. Um, what was I gonna say? Shit. Talking about keyboards. I think that's all the time we have membrane. for today, right? I'm not entirely sure. Let me look at Audacity and see you got here. Well, Casper, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. It's been a wonderful time. I learned a lot from you, and I hope to learn more while I'm learning how to rebase and whatnot. And who knows? Maybe one day you, me, and Mochi will all collaborate on something, and that'll be awesome. Besides a podcast. Be a, I mean, I don't know if you're awesome. coming back. I don't know how much time you have. It's been a pleasure having you. And with that, we have reached our final floor. Doors are opening. We hope you've enjoyed your ride with us. Have a wonderful evening. Have a wonderful evening. Have a wonderful evening.